hello and welcome to one more episode of the Offlane podcast, where every week we explore an area of expertise within the commercial aviation industry. As usual, I start with a quick reminder that you can find these and all the preceding episodes of the Offlane podcast, as well as many other interesting stories about airlines and commercial aviation on our website, oplane.tv. I repeat, this is A-L-L-P-L-A-N-E dot T-V. Today's episode is about design, aircraft interior design to be more exact. We have explored the topic of design in previous episodes. For example, I would recommend you check the episode we did a few weeks ago with Jay Beaver of Embraer, where we discussed several ideas and concepts for executive jet design, but today we are going to look at larger jets, the airliners that most of us fly, and we're going to have a look at what are the key factors that determine cabin design. Because Matt Cleary and Victor Carlios are the co-founders of Aqua Studio, an LA-based boutique design studio that focuses on the transportation and airline industries. They founded Acla Studio about three years ago after both of them having worked for a few years at one of the market leaders in cabin interior design, a company called Zodiac Aerospace that is now part of Safran, a French uh, large aerospace conglomerate. Designing aircraft cabin interiors is quite a challenging task since we are talking about an extremely constrained environment where basically every inch of space counts. You aspire to make the passenger experience uh, better and to do so with elegance and good taste, but you also need to factor in the technical, material and regulatory constraints as well as, of course, the airline's priorities in terms of business model and revenue. This is why, despite some outlandish ideas being floated publicly every now and then about how the interior of airliners should be, what we see is more of a gradual, incremental improvement. Although, as you will see, our guests today are ready to emphasize how there is actually so much going on behind the scenes that is making the passenger experience consistently better with every iteration. So, without further ado, let's connect with LA, California, to speak with our guests today. Victor, Matt, how are you? Good morning. Um, yeah, doing very well, thank you. Um, good to talk with you. Joining us from uh, sunny LA. Yeah, that's, that's correct. We're, we're, we're located in California, but as it stands this morning, it's a little bit cloudy, so... Not the usual uh, sunshine that we, we enjoy here. You both are co-founders of a um, design studio called ACLA. Mostly you work in, in transportation and, and aviation. Yeah, I mean, firstly, thank you. Thank you again for thinking of us. Um, we're delighted to have this opportunity this morning to chat with you and um, give you some insights into what we've been up to and also, you know, our, our thoughts for, for the future of aviation. But yeah, that's, that's correct. We are... A design studio based in LA, um, which we started coming up for three years ago now, myself and Victor. Um, I'm an industrial designer by trade um, and started actually 
10 years ago um, for a company called AIM Aviation based in the UK and then went my way to formerly Zodiac Aerospace and now Saffron and then that's where I met Victor six years ago and um, then took the decision to go independent uh, three years ago to reach a, a more broader audience and to you know, work on a more diverse range of, of transportation projects. Mm-hmm. So you work not only with um, aviation, you work on other, on other type of projects as well. But your focus is on transportation. Yeah, I think, Miguel, uh, this is Victor speaking. Um, yeah, our, our idea and kind of a big drive to, to start this uh, independent studio was to really kind of bring some of the tools that we've developed over the years and bring it to a broader audience, as Matt said. And, you know, aviation is, uh, is our background. This is where we uh, are coming from. We've been working, you know, both of us for almost, uh, well, Matt, 10 years and myself about eight years in, in this industry, developing several concepts. And we think it's a really interesting part of design because it's really constrained. And that brings us like a a strong process to also help other industries work in pretty constrained environments. So yeah, we've been also working on some in in some other areas uh, and a little bit broader uh, industries. But at the moment, all these projects are kind of like still on the in the work. So you mentioned uh, a very key element here, and it's that craft cabin is a really constrained environment. And that's something we're going to discuss now because basically lots of new concepts that are coming across are actually trying to make the most out of this very constrained space and to work between the regulations because that's also a very um, highly regulated industry where safety is, a, is the primary concern. What do you think are the main uh, changes that are going to come up now with uh, all this COVID situation we are seeing? Because we are seeing lots of headlines about nothing is going to be the same again. Uh, airlines will come up with new cabin concepts, new ways of, of making the cabin safer, isolating people in their seats, um, staggering seats, this sort of thing. What do you think of all this? What's the view in, in the design community? Um, you know, I think there, there have been some really interesting concepts put out there and, you know, a lot of them because it is, you know, a big concern at the moment. Generally, I think the view that Victor and I have here is that, you know, travel will resume to a relative normality in the, you know, the next three years or so. Um, because people do, you know, fundamentally want to travel and they enjoy it. With regards to to the, you know, referencing some of the concepts, I think as nice as they are, I think it's it's not likely to stick in reality. Uh, I think there will be changes within the cabin long term, but perhaps more subtle ones. So I think um, when you're talking about cleanliness of a cabin, I think you know we're we're certainly looking at designs whereby we're you know if, if we're designing a storage or something on a business class seat then to make sure the radii are large enough so it'll be easy to clean and just considering the the design of a product in in that sense um but yeah i mean i think some of the, the concepts are nice but uh you know certainly things that are coming along already in, in the business class seating environment is is doors and i think that will have more influence in in uh, a a traveler's mindset you know that they're getting that additional separation and privacy but generally i think you know I think things will return to normal um, rather than have a mega impact on, on the way we fly. Yeah, I think, I think another point is that um, one driver that this crisis will have possibly is the balance between the different classes in the, in the airplane environment. 
So you, when you have three classes, let's say you have the economy class, premium economy and business class, there's always a balance between the revenue and like how many, how much our passengers are looking for each of these, of these areas and the airlines are balancing this, this, uh, this space depending on demand and it's cool and ready maybe to spend a little more money to go upgrade to, for example, the premium economy section or to the business class section. So I think it's, it's possible that that will also evolve and be massaged, I guess, in that area because of long lasting trend. But I, but I think one of the point that we, we have here that for all these kind of short term solution, uh, for this crisis is that in, in our, uh, you know, in, in our experience, it takes about three years, I would say, to, to go from the first idea sketches and brainstorming session, I guess, with putting the basic concept to develop it with engineers, production, airlines, and so on and so on, before it goes on an airplane. And, and we, within three years, uh, we'll be more into a normal environment which that's why we think the lasting trend will be more uh, subtle improvement and uh, then I think a lot of the concept that went through the mainstream media. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a lot, a lot of them were, you know, looking at impacting um, density. So, you know, blocking of middle seats and that sort of thing, which, um, you know, in the long, long term, you don't really want to disrupt the airline's business model as, as abruptly as that. And that, I think that, that's where, the, the kind of economics of these concepts come in and then general kind of feasibility or you know, are they actually um, going to, to make a difference in, in that sort of social distancing or... Cleanliness is, is, is definitely always on, on our mind and I think it's going to be a next like, really big topic and that will be a combination of working with uh, material suppliers as well. There will be a big emphasis on, on materials and then the, the whole cleanliness process will have more impact into the design so we'll probably in the you know in the past we involve we do workshop with like thinking about um oh, what about the crew how is the crew interacting with this concept how what about the the passenger and so on and i think we'll add we'll definitely add another workshop with which will be cleanliness and this cleaning crew i guess which would be a very important element for for this in the future you mean including adapting the design of the cabin so that to make it easier to clean and, and to keep it safe from, from germs and, and bacteria? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we all have in mind these older seats with, for example, uh, you know, those pockets in front that are designed in a way that basically are traps to any kind of like trash. You, you, you stuff your belongings or other food that you got during the flight and that you know, get, for example, that gets dirty, right? That's, that's a design that I think will completely disappear. But I think in the moment, at the moment, the, the cleaning crews are not really involved into the designing process at all. And it would be a very interesting part of the airline uh, business to bring to the table during the, the design process. Indeed, some, I, I guess every, every frequent flyer has uh, some horror stories about the sort of things that uh, <laughs> might might be found in these pockets in in front of the seat right <laughs> so so it can be i don't know from some m- melted chocolate to whatever you can find there like <laughs> and discard, discarded the napkins whatever you can find there yeah absolutely i guess, I guess one, one other point to just to add to the the cleaning factor is is one conversation we had was you know 
we've been in meetings whereby also often a fabric will get chosen and and someone might say oh you know well let's not choose this fabric because it it will share the dirt too easily and perhaps we might see a, a change in that in actual fact we, we can choose lighter um less heavily patterned materials because you know it will show that it's dirty and then it will you know require changing and and for for airlines to to want to change it out because you know there's a desire for it to be um very clean and and um you know just look nice um from a passion perspective and look um sanitized um, so i think there might be a change in that mindset you know all too often we would we would choose things because it was an easy route yeah I, actually i was i was seeing that some of the newer seat designs were actually more ergonomical. Um, same with the overhead beams, for example. It, it seems that there, there's been really, already before the pandemic, there, there was already a conscious effort by the industry to come up with um, new solutions, cleaner and easier to use. Yeah, I don't know uh, if uh, the overhead beams cleaner cleaning was uh, the biggest factor for, for for innovation, but ergonomic for sure. There's a big, uh, you know, there's it's a big part of the crew boarding process. It's a lot of uh, when you do it as a passenger with only one bin, it's 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 not bad. But if you have to do it with a whole series of you know a whole aircraft cabin, it can become quite a lot. So I think that was really big emphasis on like helping and making those mechanisms way more balanced. And the big driver was really the, the trend of everyone bringing now their carry-on and trying to travel only with a carry-on. And that then, you know, relate to the density of, 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 of the cabin space. The, the more you densify the cabin with better seat design, uh, then you be, you have to kind of solve that issue, the bins to also put more bags in there. And so that, that's really, I think, what those, those, those latest solutions are focusing on is trying to optimize that, that space. And with, with the luggage, it's, it's not a, a flexible volume. It has a width, length, and, uh, and height. So sometimes your, 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 your luggage doesn't fit for just a few inches. So that's, that's really the big challenge is to make sure that you anticipate for all these different shapes of, of um, luggage in the future. Mm -hmm. It's really, really quite interesting. Because one thing though, is that basically the, the basic configuration we have now in the cabin, uh, be it in, in premium or, or in the economy class cabin, it's variations of, of the same. So basically everywhere in the world where you go, in Europe, America, Asia, doesn't matter which airline, it's pretty much the same layout, more or less. I mean, it can be more dense, less dense, better seats, older seats, whatever. Some newer aircraft are certainly more ergonomic. They, they have better lighting and all that, but, but it's basically the same. It's, it's like a tube where you, you just see rows of seats. Now, you are in the industry at the, at the very you know, forefront of the new thinking and design and concepts. Is this going to be uh, forever like this? What are the areas that allow for, for more innovation, uh, considering these, these constraints that we are facing here? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's interesting that you... I think for us as designers, we, we see a lot of uh, variation in all, this, in all these different tubes with rows of seats, like you said. But um, that's because we, 
you know, every inch in the cabin is so valuable. And so there's a, there is a lot of work in optimization in, in those areas. But within like the idea of the, the broad cabin space, we, we worked, we, we, we worked on previous project for uh, Zodiac Aerospace in our saffron on, uh, on really like pushing the boundaries of, of the cabin space, uh, using, looking at the 3D space and trying to go in the over over the beans using over you know space over the beans that have been done in the past and then the cargo area as well which has been um, uh, explored further with 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 an airbus project so that project that when we were leading it that that's kind of like what we wanted to start uh, the conversation within the industry is to to talk about this space in the in the, in the airplane and how could we configure them as cabin interiors and it has been done in the past, you know, Lufthansa and Airbus with their 340 uh, had like a cabin, they had crew and galley space with, and lavatories in the uh, cargo area, for example. But those things are costly and they are difficult to, they are yeah, costly and difficult to implement uh, for, for a lot of reasons. And I think airlines are looking into it, but I think it's not uh, just yet the, the priority for, for airlines. But there is conversation in the industry, and I, I think it's a desire for everyone to try to make the space a little bit more flexible, I guess. You know, like you have the, the bars that have been done in the 380s that uh, are quite interesting, the shower space and all these, these different areas are quite interesting. And then in business class, you know, there's the yin-yang configuration back and forth. And, trying to combine some space. So there is like that desire, making the cabin more function, functional, but the bulk of the passenger really are trying to, uh, they are not spending like, you know, two days in that space, like in a train, like in a sleeper train, they, they really spend like 12 up to 20 hours in that space. And so what they're really focusing on is the smoothest travel experience, less friction and, uh, more comfortable and be as rested. So those configuration, when you make them new, they really need to bring a, a huge benefit to the passenger to justify mm -hmm. it. Yeah, actually, that's one of the questions I wanted to make you is how effective or how popular are these sort of common areas? Because I remember when a few years ago, the first A380s were coming out of the line and there's a lot of expectation. And one of the things I, I read often is like, yeah, because there's this new aircraft, you will be able to add, you know, like even I read something like a gym or a fitness area, like a lounge, these type of things. And at the end, some airlines have introduced some, some of these sort of common recreational areas, but I don't know up to what point they, they, they have really worked as expected. Uh, I suspect not as much, <laughs> but what do you think? Is, is this the case or, or is there really some some success case where it's been proven that, yeah, these people like these areas they, or, or, they, or they justify the investment? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's, it's a really interesting topic, the idea of the social zones and, and how they impact the flight. Uh, I think all too often people, you know, socializing and wanting to go to, you know, work out and and do yoga and things and, and you can kind of go quite far with that and it sounds wonderful but I think if you actually step back and, and think to, to flights that you take in reality you can actually create a quite effective space that is not taking up as, as vast amount of footprint as, as some of these bars um, because it, you know when you're on a flight um, regardless of what class I think 
you know, you, you, there's not necessarily, it's, it's nice to go and get a snack or a drink, um, but you're not necessarily socializing the majority of the time. And, um, you know, these spaces are, are wonderful. I mean, I've, I have fortunately had the opportunity to fly Emirates on the A380 um, and it's very nice, but you know, you do just step back, you, you'll grab a snack, perhaps a, a bottle of water, and then you, you head back um, to your seat. So I think, you know, we're probably looking at, at smaller spaces, more functional spaces in between the, the galley areas and, and those spaces, which, which airlines are adopting well. But I think, sadly, it might be the end of, of these big bar complexes and, and they'll get sort of more compact. Maybe some yeah. airlines will come up with some uh, ancillary <laughs> they, can, they can monetize. Um, I don't know if you have seen the SkyNest un unveiled by Air New Zealand, which I think it's a concept right now. No, it's not being implemented anytime soon yet. Uh, which I think they plan to, if it's implemented, they would plan to charge people to in economy class to have a, a sort of a, a bank bed where they, you can sleep for some time, something like that. I don't know, maybe a, even a casino that you can you can generate revenue uh, and and justify the investment and the and the space that you are taking off the uh, the seating plan. I think the Skynet is a is a, a really interesting example to use this area for you know yeah for revenue because the like the biggest focus of most passengers is really the you know getting some rest and sleeping as much as they can to to recover from the travel experience that can be quite you know quite hard on your body and so on. Uh, I, to come back with the bar subject, I think those also like the the value of the of the marketing and even if it's if even if it's not used that much by passenger it still has a very strong impact as a marketing standpoint and on your desire to fly these specific airlines there was many different reasons for people to choose the airlines but that is a big uh, big plus <coughs> that yeah. i think cannot be and and uh, and one of the i guess specificity of the 380 there is there is many uh, spaces in that airplane that is not 100% uh, suitable for, for passengers. So there is like areas between, there's a lot of galley space in that airplane because of, because of the nature of the double-decker and the number of doors. Uh, there is a lot of galley space and so on that really suits that airplane for those all these uh, social areas and different like touch points. I think as a, as a passenger, having like that destination point when you reaching that point of your journey where you feel like you need a break from being sitting down uh, just to be able to to do something uh, even if it's just a five minute ten minute uh, walk having like a look at the at the windows for five minutes having like a stretch and so on that's something that is very nice and that I hope it lasts but I think we can also do it very efficiently the bar is something that also is this idea of uh, you know, the, the, the travel being that very um, premium experience with like the drinks and like more like a hotel and so on. And I think also one of the trends coming from the industry is that the, the travel is we're going to focus more and more on like making your better well-being, taking more care of your well-being, your health and, and so on. And so I think there will be a trend to like also bring some areas where it's more about stretching or like it's more an area for like getting that step back from your seat getting some time off and you know re re refreshing yourself or you know more access to like things that are good for you i guess 
So I think that that, that should that would be a, a big focus. So I think those areas, those flexible areas, are going to be are always going to be there. And between airline, there will be more or less investment into it. But the trend of like having a party in the plane and bars will stay there for some airline, but some other airlines are going to look at these areas for more of a health and health benefits standpoint. Mm -hmm. And also another concept that I found really interesting, and that came up in some conversations I had with um, people in this space, is the idea that you might have more flexibility in, in how you set up the cabin. So you might one, for example, to have a less dense cabin if the demand for a certain flight is, no, is not so big. Um, you might have a more dense cabin in some other cases. I remember there was this Italian company that came up with a, with a foldable seat, I think, that can give some more space when you don't need that extra seat. Well, basically also ideas to move the, 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 the division between the, 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 the premium cabin, the premium part of the cabin and the economy part of the cabin with a, in an efficient and, and fast way, uh, which is something I think some airlines do already with cargo. Like <laughs> they can convert overnight an aircraft into cargo, into, into passenger or, or, or combination, depending on demand. How do you see this, this type of, of approach? Well, the reality of this, uh, you know, the, the side of the fleet of most, most of the airlines that really invest uh, deep, you know, that invest a lot into their cabin uh, design, they actually have that flexibility just by the different configuration of airplanes that they have accessible. Between the, the, the same airplane will be configured in many different versions of cabin depending on their routes and so that they can switch we can use those airplanes like that. So that's why that, that kind of idea of the convertible cabins that just switch from density and so on, it involves a lot of complexity. And the main thing is that it involves a lot of compromises in the density of each of these classes. So when you do like something like a cabin that goes from premium economy to business class, then you're, in, you're including compromises in your premium economy experience and then compromises in your business class experience. So both of them are not as good as the one you would have or as dense as good or as dense, as dense as, or as efficient as uh, what you would get from like a normal premium economy or a normal uh, business class. So that's, that's been like the, the, the big challenge of this, this complex system. I think the main, the, the, the main innovation actually coming to, to passengers, yes, how is the airline going to look at their future revenue and the focus on passenger? Would they allocate a little bit more space for the premium economy, Kevin? How, what is going to be that balance between the, the, the three classes and the spaces in the airplane? Because as soon as that happens, as soon as you kind of change that balance, you create, uh, you redefine this, the, the allocated space for each classes and that automatically unlock some innovation from, from our standpoint, because then we have a different space to work with to put the same number of passenger and, or more passenger and so on. And so that's when we, go back to the drawing boards and we consider all these constraints and we go on and like work on all these different seat configuration and angles and so on. And that's really what's going to be driving different concepts. It's, it's, it's much harder to just come up with a concept before uh, having really analyzed what the airlines are going to want to do and then try to sell that as that this is going to happen because if it doesn't, it's not grounded into business model of the airline, then it's very hard to justify. 
what about something that was in the news for quite some time and reappears every now and then, that is the standing seats that were suggested for, for some ultra low cost airline products. Any chance of this happening? I think I, as, a, as a tricky one, I think um, you know, the general public perception was, uh, was uh, kind of not well accepted. And I think that's going to be hard to kind of change people's minds. You know, a lot of the time, if people are flying, you know, on a low cost carrier, they, they want to get from point A to point B and, you know, quickly and efficiently. But they do often, but that, that's just, you know, that is part of that low cost um, travel experience. It's, you know, it, it gets you there. Um, but then I think when, when the, the standing seat was put in front of people, I think it was a, a step too far in a lot of people's minds. I get it. I mean, I, you know, if, if you, you're on an hour flight, yeah, perhaps, perhaps it works. But it's, it's certainly, I think, um, some people already leave an aircraft with a sour taste in their mouth. And I think that, that might have been a step too far. It might look a bit awkward to have. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a combination, it's a combination of, of, um, of the media reaction, you know, from this and uh, showing this concept being available before now and really starting showing it to, to their passenger. It is something that I think could have, could have happened. It's, it's, it's was following a, a big trend in, uh, in the low-cost business to just really offer as cheap flight as possible, which in a way is, 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 is great because it's better for the environment. You, you reduce the CO2 per passenger, you make it more affordable, and so you, dec you make it more available to people. And all of these are really good reason to to work on on these efforts. But then there is uh, a lot of um, safety re regulation and technical issues that comes with it that uh, makes it very challenging. And then there's a perception of the media and the, this idea of the you know the, the the media making it sound like uh, this is just a way for the airline to make more money. Mm -hmm. And I think. It has its benefit at the moment. I think I don't think it's really aligned with the trend of the industry, but you you know there is. I think somebody could make a business model and and make it work for sure. There's still room for it. I mean, there's many different type of population around the world that uh, some people could really benefit from it. It could be really helpful for for a lot of uh, a lot of people. So. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's always a, you know, it's a, it's a design challenge and it's a business plan challenge from an airline standpoint. And if you do it in, if you do it separately, I think it makes it very difficult. If an, if an airline desire in their business model is, is set up like that, then I think from a design perspective, there is a way to, to make it acceptable by, by passenger. There's always some design solutions, but it's, it kind of needs to be done in, in parallel and, um, it is a it is a pretty it's a big challenge for uh, I think a lot of population perception mm -hmm. because having reached uh, this point of our talk I think it's the perfect time to to introduce another question I, I had burning in my in my head is how does the let's say the decision the development process works for this type of cabin concept so there are the airlines, there are the OEMs, then there, there are independent designers and design studios like you. And obviously there's other engineering companies involved, the people that make the seeds, the people that make the, the different materials. What's the process like to introduce a new concept? Is it just um, the studios working at the request of the, of the airlines to come up with all, all the OEMs, to come up with new concepts? Is it is these uh, ideas that are being discussed during 
let's say uh, other other type of of initiatives of programs to develop new types of aircraft what are the dynamics in this in this world yeah there's no i mean the short answer is there's no there's definitely no standard process it's yeah. really so many different ways to to do it i think all the scenarios you you've highlighted have happened in in the past there is some airlines that really take on and are design centric that really take on that issue heads on and usually they they work with you know their team with a design studio define really the interiors that they are looking at and sometimes go on from like having to design a completely brand new seat design there is uh, in our case you know in in our most recent cases and project that we can talk about we've uh, we've developed in uh, partnership with Avian Aerospace, we, we designed a new business class for them. So that was more collaboration between a, an OEM seat manufacturer and a, and a design studio. And now we are introducing this seat design to to airlines. And then after that, you have um, we'll have a custom, you know a little bit customization and like personalization of that design. But then you also have the OEM designing the seats on on their own and many many different different ways i think in general the when you talk about really concept or like broad really brand new designs it's the best process is when all the players are involved together in parallel that's really where it works the smoothest and uh, there is many uh, example example like that but um, yeah it's it's there is a lot of value into uh, these concepts and like this optimization of space and so on. So uh, everybody wants, everybody is trying to get a, a part of it and to kind of bring something different to the industry as well. So there's a lot of innovation being shared at the Humber Air Show usually and a lot of projects across the industry that are really focusing on like introducing a new concept and that can be introduced by pretty much every players. So yeah. what, yeah, and there is also the, the example of like a completely new concept where we work, for example, with uh, Zephyr Seats uh, to develop a sleeping berth concept. So uh, yeah, like a um, bunk bed seating concept that we've developed in partnership with Zephyr Seats. And that was really a desire from somebody outside of the industry bringing something, a solution to, to one of the biggest pain points in, in the travel experience. And, um, you know, Jeffrey O'Neill, she's the CEO of Zephyr Aerospace. He comes from outside of the industry and he, he developed this, this seat from outside. And now it's kind of being pushed by the actual, by the passenger. So there is desires and there is innovation being pushed by kind of like every, every single like touch point or like people involved into flying. This is a sleeping pod concept. Was uh, yeah, I guess you could bubble. call it like that. I mean, the, the really, the, 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 this, this, this innovation was really focused on uh, offering a, a full flatbed at the density of premium economy. Mm -hmm. And what we, the, what we developed was really uh, a seat that could, you know, a, a seat and a bunk bed that could be combined together. And I could be working at the density that we were looking for, and so that was really like kind of the the highlight of that that exercise. And um, yeah, the development is keep moving forward. And I was, uh, you know, there is if you look at their latest um, campaign, they they really wanted to reach out to the actual passenger audience. 
kind of reach out from outside of the industry and and the passenger yeah passenger have invested a lot into it they raise a lot of money from just people that really want these kind of innovation to arrive into the cabin which i think is 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 fascinating as well to see that push from the passenger and more from from that side of things to to make this innovation a reality so people are ready to invest their own money to because they believe in this uh, idea and in this solution yeah I'll, I'll definitely check it out because i always introduce some notes uh some some show notes where people can find all the references and links and all the information to complement what we are talking about here. I was just asking about the pods because I remember there was a concept that was kind of something that looks like a bubble where mm -hmm. I think that was for premium, for premium passengers from business class cabin yeah. where you had this sort of round bubble where you could sneak in and sleep inside and kind of isolated yourself from, from the rest of the cabin. And you, you have them stacked up So you had several of these bubbles, one on top of the other, sort of. So <laughs> it was kind of um, interesting and a bit weird looking, but but really cool. Yeah, I think this concept was in, it was uh, interesting and, and definitely an, insp an inspiration for for many years for us. Uh, it has one of the it was really kind of like a conversation starter. But it was not really anchored in uh, in branding it into reality. Mm -hmm. And what we did with uh, with 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 Zephyr Aerospace is that we really spent a lot of time considering every constraint that what it would mean uh, from a revenue perspective. So we really focused on finding a solution that is extremely dense, so really efficient from a passenger's layout standpoint, and then also like branding it into the reality of how are we going to make this uh attached to the seat tracks uh, you know how why are we do we have this the seat structure and how would this seat behave into a, a cabin environment and so on and so on so that's really where you you go beyond and when you spend more time one of the the, the thing that at ACLA we really try to to do is to really ground even like our more uh, inspirational ideas to really always put them into the the realm of uh, aircraft interiors reality from a revenue perspective and from a certification and I guess engineering perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes, sometimes this innovation can be something as simple as, for example, what Air New Zealand did with, again, Air New Zealand. Um, seems to be it's a, it's a pretty innovative company in, in, in comes to product, in-flight product. Yeah. They did the Sky Couch, where it's basically you join two, uh, th three seats, I think, on, on economy class, which is, is quite simple <laughs> technically, but it actually, it's a nice product that you can then make some extra revenue from that. So uh, create a sort of a semi-premium product inside the economy class cabin. So pretty interesting. And it, it was not rocket science, really. It's just uh, something working with things that are already there. It is not like it's a rocket science, but you would be surprised how much, uh, how many complexity there is with, with this com concept as well. It, it is, from, uh, from an idea st standpoint, it, it's pretty straightforward, but it's actually quite uh, challenging to make it happen from a certification standpoint because mm. Uh, you can imagine up if it's stuck uh, into this upward position, then there is um, a lot of certification issues there. So there is 
you need to think about all these different, I guess, safe safeguards and uh, secondary safety option in case one of the mechanisms fail, because that could block somebody from exiting. So, so there was a lot. It's, I mean, to the credit of uh, of Air New Zealand, there was a lot of um, different steps that needed to happen to to make it happen to to actually make it happen. Yeah, and and this is the value of these concepts are. Yes, from a passenger standpoint, it's better. There is a little bit of uh, auxiliary revenue, I think, but also I think the main uh, the, the the main value is really from a marketing from a marketing standpoint yeah. to to see those images and same thing with us this the bunk concept they're introducing. There is so much value from the passengers to see that an airline actually cares about trying to improve their their experience. And really spending time there, and that does really strike people's imagination. Even if they don't really, if even if they're not going to use it, just to know that the airline is is taking that those steps. Yes, and actually, there's also also something that really fascinates me in this world is actually that there there seems to be as well a pursuit of of ideas that pretty much everyone knows that are difficult to make a reality. They kind of lead the way in, in, in the same way as, for example, the fashion industry. You have all these top designers that are kind of leading the way, creating things that look a bit extravagant and they might not really be adopted in, in, in everyday life, but they kind of mark the way. We had in, on the podcast, we had um, Jay Weaver, for example, from Embraer that designs very original, unique executive jet interiors for Embraer. And, and we talk about this, about how you come up with some ideas that might not become a reality immediately, because obviously there are many challenges. The regulation and certification challenges are obvious ones, and also the challenges with the business model, how this fits into the current business models, etc. But maybe they will become a reality as soon as new um, ways of traveling become a reality. And here I'm thinking like Airbus, for example, has been coming up with some ideas about biomimicry, electric planes. So lots of different things going on. The same with um, air mobility, new concepts to, to move people around. How do you see these sort of cutting edge concepts that are constantly on the media that might not become a reality still in a few de- decades time, but they, some of them are really, really attractive in terms of, uh, you know, making things more closer to nature and all that. Yeah, I think, um, you know, th- there's, there's definitely a, a need and a craving from, from people um, to see these and, and they do inspire us. So I think they are, you know, they're nice. They, you know, it's, it's great to kind of look at a, an image and, and kind of that depicts a potential future and get, you know, to get excited about. And I think, you know, a lot of, the time whether or not they take flight fully, um, but they can influence the way we design things and think about space. And I, certainly, I think the the EV toll movement is is still quite a way away, but um, I think it's exciting as well because that that could truly transform the way um, we travel around cities and and point to point sort of local destinations. And and but certainly that will be for wealthy people initially, we believe, um, rather than be a, a commodity around city. Um, like a taxi, um, but still, it's it's you know these visions of of the future are um, what excites us and what keeps us kind of innovating in that sense. What about how technology can also contribute to the 
actual cabin experience. I'm thinking here about how electronics, IFE, and disclaimer here, I, I've been working on some projects as a consultant for a, a company that is active in IFE. I call it fly. So that was my disclaimer here. Uh, but more generally, I, I would like to discuss how things like, for example, the, the cabin lighting, how companies, for example, there's Jetlight, a company in a German company that it's, it has developed a system to provide personalized lighting based on LED, I think on, on two specific passenger seats, uh, things like VR, for example, VR sets, so beyond the actual physical cabin and the seats and all that, where do you think are the most promising areas to improve the passenger experience based on, 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 on electronics and computing, basically? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still a huge fan of IFE. I think IFE is, is there for a good amount of time. You know, it's, it's, our, it's a passenger's connection to that brand. And, and also, I think once you get on the plane and there's, there's a 4K TV in front of you now, um, with some airlines that you are you, you know you get that sense of luxury and the, the sense that, that that airline is investing in your experience um, so I think IFE you know from a fundamental tech standpoint is is a good great investment and something that all passengers appreciate and moving forward to the lighting I think yeah that that is something that has you know was has been innovated extensively and adopted you know certainly with aircraft such as the Dreamliner for, from by many airlines you know that that can be a reflection of a, a brand identity when you're boarding um, and, and deplaning and reflect an airline's brand. And then it can also improve that, that experience on board from, you know, to reduce that, that sense of jet lag. So, and then personalized mood lighting, I think is, yeah, in suite mood lighting is probably the next step. And, you know, you see like in cars, very faint kind of accent, accented mood lighting, and that will become more prevalent within the suite. I yeah. think it could it'd be tricky when you look at a whole cabin and see how people adjust them because you might end up with a rainbow. So that, that could be when it's actually personalized to giving someone the complete control. The biggest challenge of technology for the aircraft interior industry is to follow to be in to follow and to be in time with the current uh, technology improvement in your day-to-day -day life. I mean it's kind of what you can see with, with cars, but to another level. Since it takes about three years to, to develop something when it comes to the airplanes, it's, it's a technology that seems kind of already a little bit dragging behind. So I think the biggest uh, improvement that we'll see in the future is kind of like the same thing with the car industry between the traditional OEM and the, and the Tesla is that idea of like that constant, that flexibility in the software and the hardware architecture that let you always have uh, updated and have personalized software. So I think software is going to become more and more important. And of course that connection is going to be through your iPhone or through your IFE provider, but that, that your passenger staying connected with their travel with, with your brand and having that constant up to date, uh, improvement is really what's going to, to bring this whole IFE experience to the, to the next level. Uh, once in airline managed to implement that, that idea of the whole environment space and the whole hardware of the cabin being connected and being able to be really quickly changed and evolve through software, then I think we will uh, unlock a lot of uh, innovation naturally. And so it's really how do you design the hardware that plan for that future? And how do you anticipate on all these different trends and passenger needs for, for the future? And how do you solve that with software? 
but to me i think it's going to be the biggest uh, necessary step for the from that from that i guess technology standpoint lots of interesting stuff do you think the difficulty of adopting very disruptive new concepts is it down to regulation certification or is it more the airlines being conservative I think it's even more complex than that. To make a significant and valuable design improvement, it's, it takes a lot of dedication and a lot of, of knowledge of, and subtle uh, improvement that is hard to show on a rendering. And so I think there's a lot of actually, actually a lot of um, innovation going you know, behind the scene and probably most of the, this industry is very secretive. And so all those successful concepts are usually done in, you know, in silo. For example, we've been developing, uh, we, we really believe as premium economy being uh, a major part of the cabin environment uh, in the future. And that's something that uh, it's an area that has not really been uh, improved on. And so we, we've designed some really, you know, some, some seat that do not impact the cabin density. So do not impact the cabin business model that brings like completely change the, the passenger experience and really bring it to the, to the next level of comfort in, in that cabin environment. And we've been working for now, uh, we've been working on a, on a design for two years and we, we are introducing, slowly introducing to the industry a brand new concept. So that's something that, you know, we're doing behind the scenes. We, there is no benefit for us to, to the, our, our, our new product to the, to the world because you know, we'll develop it in parallel with, with the airline in kind of like, and with the seat manufacturers in, uh, in silo and between each other and it, to not show it to our competition, I guess. So I think most of the best concepts are being developed like that. Uh, that's just the nature of the industry. So from an ex exterior uh, obs observatory, it, it must feel, you must feel like a lot of concept goes nowhere, but actually there's a lot more concept going down uh, yeah. behind the scene. That you, what you can see, there is a, a lot of effort and a lot of work being done. I, if, if I think, you know, any crisis always open a lot of opportunities. So I think there will be a lot of airline getting an opportunity to to try kind of different business model and then kind of different operation, and that's going to unlock a lot of innovation uh, automatically. It's just you probably it one day coming up with a new press release as an airline, you know, showing their new US interiors. And that's kind of probably the, same, the first time you'll see, you'll see anything about that concept. Nobody's going to show that concept before it's in the plane. Yeah, and, and I guess if the new propulsion ideas like hydrogen and electric eventually become a reality, that's going to come as well with its own set of constructive solutions. And that's also going to unleash another, another wave of thinking and design and potentially very disruptive concepts also. But that's, I think that's still far, far into the future. It, yeah, it's far into the future. But again, like when you design a, a new, it's actually really, it's a huge part of our constraint is uh, when the airframe is being designed, uh, there is a lot of consideration that the cabin designers need to take into account. Uh, you know, the, the, the width of the fuselage where you put the seat the seat tracks and you know how much flexibility do you give to the to the cabin design and when you think you know some of these um, airplanes have been flying for quite some times now and so when the first designers were designing the cabin they were in the world than when we are now so designing now the fuselage of an airplane like with a new technology or not but like any new airplane coming 
should be talking to um, cabin designers and people involved into trying to uh, think about the future of cabin as much as possible because that's it's a huge part of the the reason you fly, fly an airplane is the cabin experience. I mean, it's the, probably the biggest part and the biggest value added proposition for, for anyone flying an airplane is really the, the cabin space. That's why there's so much value and so much secret about, around that. Our, cons, our you know, people's studios or OEM concepts for airport interiors. It's like, that's pretty much the biggest improvement from a passenger standpoint. And so considering these things early could let you really make your airplane set itself aside, I guess. It can really make a huge difference down the line on the reason why these people are flying this airplane. Mm -hmm. So basically any airlines OEMs or engineering companies that want to get you on board with um, thinking about their new designs, uh, where should they get you? Um, aclastudios.com, right? How should they uh, reach out to you? Or just uh, our emails, victor at aclastudio.com or matt at aclastudio.com. We're a small boutique, I guess, uh, design studio. You know, we are three full-time employees and then we work with, uh, we, we grow the team uh, depending on the, on the project. But yeah, that's, that's our focus, bringing a little bit of a, from a studio standpoint, really bringing a, our background of being working in the industry and like kind of like combining that with our inspiration and our passion for, for the industry. So, so yeah, it's something we, we, you know, airline and uh, aircraft interiors is something we think about every, every day. So for sure, we'll be, uh, you know, really looking forward to any uh, connection on this. Well, in the meantime, it's been great having you on, on the podcast today, discussing this very important aspect of the air travel experience, which is the, the cabin experience, obviously, which all of us that travel frequently experience. I'll be happy to... Uh, to have you back here on the show sometime in the future to see how things have evolved on the design side and perhaps discuss some new ideas and concepts that have been made public. But uh, well, in the meantime, thank you so much. You stay safe during this pandemic time and that uh, the industry is back on track soon. Thank, thank you, Miguel. Thank you for your time and it's great talking with you today. Yeah, it was very interesting. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Always happy to talk about this industry. It's quite a fascinating industry to be uh, working in, and I think a lot of things are going to be changing. And there's always going to be new, uh, new project to talk about. Thank you so much.